Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome to another show of Feast of Films Theater. Today, starring Matthew Black and Ethan R. Hill. There, that's the intro. Oh, yeah. Classic. Classic. Hello, my fellow movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of A Feast of Films with Ethan R. Hill. And with me, as always, is... Matt Black, what's going on, people? My we fellow movie fans. <laughs> people. People. Hey, it's, they're what's people. up, you Our, people? I mean, Cats, like, dogs, could... and elephants, whoever may be listening. What's going on? I mean, people People could be putting this on for their pets while they leave the house. We, hey, you know what? Worst case scenario, if that's all we're good for, that's okay. Just entertaining hi, hi your pets. dog. <laughs> hi, pets, if you're listening. If not, hi, people who are listening. The cats may jump out the window, so cats shouldn't listen. But dogs, don't leave your windows open. <laughs> like, yeah, goodness, like it's good advice. it's. I don't. I wouldn't leave my windows open if I left my house. Like, that sounds. That's they're asking for trouble. I'm just thinking, maybe you're in New York or something, and. You, I, or maybe that's a better reason to lock your windows. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'll also be honest. I completely forgot that places didn't exist outside of Saskatchewan and Alberta. So to anyone else who's outside of Saskatchewan and Alberta, I'm really, really sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's good to be back. It's good to be back. And it's good to be back with a new plan of attack and a new format to our show. Mm -hmm. We're going to try and simplify things a little bit. Yep. Not make things as complicated. Uh, we are going to be breaking our episodes up into two parts, no matter what the length is. So you'll still get content every single week. It'll just be a little bit easier for us and give us a chance to catch our breath and get caught up. So we're still going to bring you the great content that you all enjoy. And oh, hopefully just some more great movie conversations with, with, with my bud, Matt. That's, that's, that's right. mainly what I'm excited about. That's right. Like You guys know we're obviously always trying new things, changing up the format, shaking it up, throwing in little things just to see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we're like, get the hell out of here. We don't need this here. Uh, we're hoping this will work and we can just have uh, a great conversation about movies that we love and, uh, yeah, be able to still hopefully entertain you guys. Like Ethan said, all the great conversations that you love, and even some of them that you don't. It's all going to be here, so you're welcome. <laughs> and uh, so, so, Matt, with that being said, what did we watch? What are we going to talk about this week? We are talking about the best films of 2012. Ooh, that was a pretty good that year. Was, it was a really good year. Honestly, with all the doom and gloom that was like leading up to it, it's kind of awesome. Yes. Like, the movies that came out. like yes. Like, if the world ended, especially looking at how 2013 was, I was kind of, I think we might have mentioned this on the 2013 episode, but it's almost like all the good movies came out in 2012, and because they thought 20, like 2013 wasn't going to happen, <laughs> they had nothing <laughs> planned. They're like, I don't know, this is all the like, uh, stuff. Like, the world's going to end 2012, guys. Don't even, don't even plan movies. And they're like, oh shit, the world didn't end. Oh my god. Because then by 2014. And that was in December, still in trouble. Was, and 2014 was a good year. So, like, that's yeah. what I think. I think that weird lull. The world might have been uh, better off if it ended in 2012, but that's up for debate. <laughs> hey, man, it's just been one couple <laughs> rough years since then. Yeah, yeah, just just been. But honestly, for the most part, uh, the 2010s so far have been really good for movies. That's what we can say I'm, without a doubt. Most of, most of the ones that we've gone through, I think most years we're saying, like, oh, solid year, solid year. 
I'm genuinely curious what it's going to be like getting to like from like honestly anywhere from 90 from 90 to 2009. I'm really curious about that 20 year ch- ch- chunk. Yeah, cuz that's going to be like what's well, where we grew up. That's that's the section that we grew up in, but like how much of it are going to be movies that we actually remember going to see? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like, it. And will our opinions of that be the same as when we were younger it'll be a very how drastically dynamic. yeah or how will how change drastically our yeah because our, our tastes have obviously those. changed since then yeah like i'm really i'm really curious about that and like i don't know i still have very vivid memories about the movies that like even like what we're going to talk about today yeah like like i have well, very very clear memories of wreck it ralph and of the avengers like those are like honestly i think that's kind of why like i think me and you gravitated towards maybe for you i don't know for me i gravitated towards those two because i can remember them i remember the experience of seeing both those movies and then argo being my third pick but we're not going to talk about argo today it was a good movie but we're not going to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah so uh like ethan said uh wreck and ralph and avengers are movies of 2012 so we'll definitely <laughs> dig into those but i just want to touch on something you said earlier just yeah, it'll be interesting to see how those perceptions change as we get later on into the movies, uh, into the years where these films when we were younger because we've changed so much. But like even saying that, looking at the movies from 2012, like how much my movie tastes have changed since 2012. Like I looked through the whole list and I'm like, okay, these are the movies that I really enjoyed. And then I'm like, man, I just, I feel like there's a lot of good movies that I didn't watch or were left on the floor or the left on the table yep. that I left behind because it just wasn't my viewing preference at the time. Um, and how much that has changed to 2020 to now. I mean, obviously 2020, anytime anyone's going to review that year, it's like, you guys got like five movie to pick from. Like, that's it. Five movies and Tenet. <laughs> Which one's the best one? Like, that's going to be 2020. But just how much we've changed since then. I think that really is part of the joy and part of the excitement, part of the fun of going back through the years and digging up all these experiences that we've had. And not only do we get to relive some great moments and feel the joy and excitement again, we get to just see the differences between who we were then and who we are now as movie fans. And that's just, that's like the cherry on top of the cake right there. Or the Sunday. What's the food that you put cherries on? Sundays. Several several different foods. <laughs> different things. Like you could use cakes too, I guess. You could use cake. Could Black use forest cake. Ooh. Mm. I love me that. Like, um Well it's like I think I think you're right with that, because again, I think like to bring up a movie I mentioned earlier, to bring up Argo again, when I saw it in theaters, I don't think it was one of my top movies. I don't think it was. I liked it. I really liked it, but I don't think it was like I was not one that I left the theater being like yes that is the top pick for this year of films yeah but on reflection like scrolling back and like looking through that list of movies the fact that that one like was like was in my top two over a bunch of other movies that like are really really good like i sent you the list and there was like well i had like six or seven movies that i'm like, like i don't know just what a to bunch pick. yeah yeah same with like, me like i had quite a few in there too but when i think back on that one it does speak to the type of movies that I do like now, which are a little bit more mature and a little bit like movie. I enjoy movies based on real life events. Yeah. Like I, but I didn't quite that much back then. It depended on the movie, depended who was in it. But like, I think, yeah, that's really changed. And 
but then some things stay the same and stick with you and that's why wreck it ralph was my pick because like yeah. man like like yeah it just it it stuck with me like but i mean like that's the disney effect like that's like, I think anytime there's a Disney release, it's going to be hard-pressed for me to be like, no, this isn't my favorite film this year. <laughs> they do a really good job at bringing the heart. Like, and that's, like, I mean, I don't know if you want to start talking about Wreck-It Ralph right now. We could start talking about it. Um, but just, you know, just quick touch on that. Jeez, that movie's got a lot of heart. A lot more oh, yeah. heart than I remembered. A lot oh, more heart. It honestly like I'm, I'm cool jumping in if you are if we want to just start talking about record let's do it I'm, yeah let's get going so so for me i felt very similar to how i felt watch, watching um big hero 6 where like i know mm-hmm. it's popular i know it's well liked but i don't mm-hmm. feel like it's as well liked as it deserves like it really deserves more attention especially for like even some of the messages in it as well as just as you said the heart in it because this is one that I remember tearing up in the theaters. Yeah. And sure enough, in this movie, there was a bunch of times where I just started tearing up and started like... <laughs> gotcha again. Yeah. Like, like gotcha. it was like <laughs> everything from like that moment where he's destroying the car mm-hmm. to him like sacrificing himself. Like even the very, very end when like everything's happy. Yeah. Like I was just like... Like, at the very end, man, I was choking up when he's like, I can see her when I get lift. I can see her and see my friend. And, like, I just started, like, I think I choked up a bit and uh, my roommates were in the room with me. I'm like, yeah, it's a, that's a really good movie. That's really underrated. <laughs> oh. A little bit of voice cracking there. Eh? Like, I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Shut up. Leave me alone. It's a good movie. But, like, honestly... Like, I don't think you can count this as a video game adaptation. But no, I can no. I feel like I can confidently say this is the best video game movie that has been made. Yes. Like I would agree with down, that, yeah. Like just with the yeah. cameos, the tone, the music, the different types of games that you get to see in crossover. Like I love that I love that it goes from everything from like classic arcades to like modern day shooters. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I think that's incredibly clever. And the way they handled those crossing over worked so, so well. I think one of the best things that really worked like for this film and I don't know, I'll just, you know, reference more the beginning because I remember going into this movie back in 2012 and wondering how they were actually going to pull it off because the animation style was like so different looking than like the arcade game it was based off. I was like, how are these two going to connect? Is it going to feel janky? I don't know. Let's go find out. Let's see what it, let's see how it turns out. And just the world they created, like sure. You see like the digital little bits, right? Eight bit little characters on Wreck-It Ralph screen. And then when you go in, like it transfers over to the animation style, which is like, okay, that works. I get what they're doing here. And that made sense. But just the world they created, how they're all in their little video game ecosystems, and then they transfer to other games through the power cords and stuff like that, and they all can I mix and connect. I was like, that is amazing. Like, just this electronic digital world that they created where characters and games come and go and you get unplugged, man, that's Wait, it. Like, it was they all, so like, great. Do so they all great. exist in the power bars? Like, is that where they like? Like that that's their, well, that's that that's their... Grand Central Station is the power bar, right? Like our Grand Game Station. I can't remember what it was called there, but I like 
Especially this even... time around, I just appreciate it so much more. And I was like, this is fantastic. Like, this... Because sometimes you're talking about, whether you're talking about video games or anything, like like Lego Movie, for example, right? Like, yeah. how are you going to pull this off? Um, just to see the way they create these worlds sometimes is amazing. And the idea and the concept that they used for Wreck-It Ralph is really just one of a kind. I haven't seen the sequel yet, but now I'm kind of, I kind of really want to go see the sequel. I kind of want to see it now. After, I really want to go see the sequel after rewatching this. And I'm like, oh man, I want to no, see, I, I'm like, the exact how does the internet way. now play into all this? Because just, but, like, again, how they transfer from game to game. They come to Grand Central Station at the power bars, and, like, they have the different rules set in the world. It was great. Like, you, the world I, building was great. I literally, I just watched this movie, and until you said it, I didn't click in that that's where they were all meeting up at. Yeah, And I yeah. watched it. I watched, like, when they unplug, when the game gets unplugged, you see the, um... How would I, the prongs of the plug yeah. being removed? You see that, and it yeah. didn't click in until you said that. And that's, but that's the beauty of this movie is there's things that until someone points out, you're not gonna necessarily notice. You're not necessarily gonna pick up on. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a super layered, detailed movie. Like it's well, man, and how they, like they travel through the power cords. They got like a like trolley system. I was like, this is amazing. Like this was such a great idea and how to incorporate. And connect because that I feel like that would have been probably early on in its design and the concept of this film. How do we take all these arcade games and now have them interacting in a way that makes sense? Not a way that's real, but a way that makes sense, like for the world. Um, because that would be challenging. How do you get these arcade that are very standalone, not connected to anything? How do we get them to interact? Well, through the power cords. There's you know, they have their little tram system that go through the power cords and everyone meets at the central station, man. And then if you go into someone else's game and you die, like you don't respond. Like it was just the world building was great. When I And that was one of the things that immediately off the beginning of the game, game, beginning of the film, I was like, yes, that was nailed. That was nailed right well, there. Like, I, I love the fact that they even explain how people would interact with the game. Yeah. Like yeah. specifically, like so for the arcade games, it's just a window. It's a window that they look into. You can walk off it, and then you're safe to do whatever you want. But when you're in this window, it's almost like a Toy Story thing where you have to act it's, a certain it, way. Yes, it's exactly like a Toy Story thing. Yeah. But then when it comes to games like Heroes Duty, you have the first person shooter bot. Yeah. And I love that concept. And then like, and the the thing that it bugs me, but I'm also like, I'm okay because you can figure it out on your own. They don't show you how it works for Sugar Rush but you'd assume it's a similar concept that it would be for the first person shooter bot. Yeah. Right. Like Cause you'd have to follow your car around. Yeah. That's like, right. They didn't show that. Yeah. But I'm okay that they didn't because there are so many other more important things going around in yeah. that, in that game specifically that that became inconsequential. Whereas for Ralph and for heroes Dur duty, you needed to see that right? where the viewpoint was coming in. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the drama, the drama came down for Ralph's game. The drama came down to him not being there and the game being broken. Yeah. Um, and for in Heroes Duty, the drama came down to the fact of that the only way that he was going to get that medal or figure out where to go is if a person actually started playing that game. Otherwise, they're just on standby. Yeah. Whereas with Sugar Rush, they had a whole built-in universe in that game of who gets to choose 
or who gets to be picked as a racer yeah every single time by doing their own races like and i love that i love the fact that there's like built-in worlds inside each of these games and like that's where again i'm curious about the sequel and i kind of a part of me wishes i would have watched it before talking about the first one Mm -hmm. but like but now i'm just excited to go and see that again which is great because i i don't know how i missed the sequel i don't know what happened i just think i was busy that year but like well and the thing that's i think that's really piques my curiosity for the sequel is because obviously what they're going to do is take this concept that they have at the power cords and then like obviously Add very like much expand that right but how do they yeah how does the internet now connect into that like it's just going to be interesting to see so uh, the sequel is definitely on my list of things to watch now i, I wasn't interested at all before i am now <laughs> i right? am now like... yeah yeah that's for sure um yeah and one of the other cool aspects that i thought was really fun about the world that they created was kind of like you said like when there's no here when there's no one playing they're like on standby mode or their their worlds exist outside of the people playing them right so ralph has to go back to his like you know dump literal dump his house his stump is in a dump like that's where he lives he gets to go back to there every night where the citizens and fix it felix get to like party and stuff like that (laughs) you like you feel bad for the guy but the fact they went and put that detail in in and create again like these ecosystems and these worlds that exist within the game and then how they all interact with each other was just it was really well thought out like it was really well thought out it was very well it was a toy story approach yeah to how these video games worked it was literally like okay well how these work when kids are when no one's watching around yeah and like and that's the cool thing too is like they have a day job and then they actually get to rest for the night like and that was kind of cool to see as well i really liked rewatching it i liked that they didn't make you like ralph right away mm-hmm. because like going into it i remember liking ralph i remember rooting for him but watching it this time he was a jerk like like right off the bat he was very like yeah he's like yeah poor me my life sucks all this kind of stuff he was very down on down on himself and like reasonably so he made like they also made everyone in the tower a jerk too including felix like everyone was a jerk but by the end of it everyone redeemed themselves and everyone became good and i liked that i liked the fact that they weren't likable characters right away and that you had to earn liking them like that like the journey pays off by liking them more and more because honestly until you meet vanellope that's the only time that's that that's when ralph starts to shift and actually change because like yeah all he wants to do is belong but it's kind of at the end of the day it is for selfish reasons but also at the end of the day he is being treated like crap (laughs) that's true so like so you can motivations are understandable yeah you they're understandable but again how he reacts isn't like it isn't a hero like he doesn't react like a hero he reacts like no my life isn't fair and you really see that in that in the um support group yeah because all the other villains they've come to terms with it they're like yeah you know like yeah we're villains but hey if it like it's what zangief says where it's like if it isn't for zangief who's going to crush men's heads like little robin skull or like little <laughs> between <Robin> his thighs <laughs> yeah yeah like that's exactly but that's exactly it it's all those other 
villains kind of already had their moment of clarity where they're like, oh, no, I understand. This is my role to play. Mm-hmm. And that's it comes down to their mantra of like, you know, you know, I'm bad and that's OK. Like, I and am, that's OK, I, it, I'm, more or less. I can't remember I the am, whole thing. It was really good, though. I am bad and that's good. I'll never be good and that's OK. Something like that. And like, again, and Ralph doesn't doesn't actually get that until the end when he's really yeah. willing to put his life on the line. Like, although even in that moment, like, no, actually, no, in that moment, like, that is the biggest level of sacrifice because he's not just sacrificing himself. He'd be sacrificing his game, everything, just to save all the other games. Yeah. It is, it is saving, saving one for the sake of, like, it's, it's sacrificing one game to save the rest of the arcade. Because if he didn't do that, then the bugs would have spread and shut down everything. But like, well, yeah, let's. Well, I don't know. Should we break down Ralph's character a little bit or his journey or? Yeah, like I'm like, yeah, I'm on board for that because that's, to me again, like I think like that's. Just talking about his character, I think that's that's important though. I think it's important that he wasn't likable right away and that he wasn't just, the hero right away. Yeah, like I I agree he wasn't the hero right away. For me, he was still likable. Like I got it, and I understood it. And like you understand, the 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 film is very clear about Ralph's motivations and like literally what they are. Like we said earlier, selfish motivations. Like it's I just want to be loved, but who doesn't just want to be loved, right? Especially if you live in a trash heap and you get thrown to the trash heap or thrown in mud. Like that's your job. Ralph just wants more to life, and who doesn't sometimes just want more out of life? So it's a very relatable like it's a very relatable conflict that Ralph's in like an inner conflict. Um, but it's relatable. And is it selfish? Yes. Considering everything else and how their whole systems work, it is selfish. And he goes off to get the medal, like the first medal for those selfish reasons, right? He doesn't want to actually be a hero. He just wants the medal so he can say he's a hero and be accepted. Exactly. Without being the hero, just treated like the hero without actually being the hero. Whereas, like, I feel like, and again, there's ways that, there's ways him as a person, he could have gone about it nicer, he could have gone about it in a more subtle manner of mm-hmm. winning the respect and friendship of the of the villagers, but instead he just stormed in, lost his temper, and then said, no, I'm gonna go do this thing that I want to do then. And yeah. Like, and I think that's, I think that's good, but well, again, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have a movie. No, no story. If he was just like, you know what, guys, it's cool. It's cool. But, like, that's kind of, like, his two layers. Like, well, that's one of his layers, right? It's kind of, like, that selfish need to want more out of his life. Selfish need to just be loved and to be treated as the hero without actually being the hero. Like, that's kind of, like, the one part. Um, The second part of his journey, too, is just accepting who he is. That he is the wrecker, right? Like, that he is the one who wrecks. And that story arc definitely, like, it all obviously culminates at the end of the film. But... Like, he kind of has two parallel, I don't, yeah, parallel arcs, I guess, that are happening at the same time with two different aspects. So he's a very layered character at the end of the day. Much more layered than you would expect in an animated film. Maybe not an animated film from Disney, but, you know, just an animated film in general. Well, like, Sometimes the characters can be pretty thin, but he he has various different layers and different wants, and all those are expressed and shown and 
brought to a conclusion in a very satisfying way through this film. Well, it's, it's interesting too, because he is technically, when you look at, when you look at his character, that the character that Ralph has to play in the game and who he has to play, he's, he's playing a bully. Yeah. The interesting thing about that too, though, is then behind the scenes, we see the bully get bullied. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where like another layer that I liked, because it's the idea of like, people just automatically assume he is bad because he is the bad guy in that game. In the game. Yeah. And even the villagers who spend most of their time with him arguably think that he is bad, but he's just doing his job. He didn't, and because he's code, he didn't sign up for this job. He didn't volunteer for this job. He just is. Like that's, there was no choice made, right? Yeah. Also, I still like, it's, it's an obvious thing and it's such as like, it's a, it's a small, silly detail. I love that the name of the game is Fix It Felix, but then the movie is Wreck-It Ralph. I like (laughs) that because again, like that, we know going in the movie's about Ralph, but then when you get into the movie, you realize that what he is about isn't about him. Yeah. It's a little thing and it's a silly thing, but it just, it makes my heart happy. It's details like that that make my heart happy when it comes to movies because like, holy crap. Oh, we were talking about this too. And like, since we're talking about character, I'll bring it up. They did a really good job of actually even bringing in likenesses of the actors into each character into the animated kind of characters because so. because wreck it ralph kind of looks like john c Riley. um van lp kind of looks like silver sarah silverstein uh i can't silverman? remember silver silverman yeah sorry yeah. silverstein's my favorite new band so <laughs> as i'm wearing their hoodie i see that they're they're i mean they're not new band they've been around for 20 years but they're like my favorite band that i've discovered within the last six months and yeah. like yeah like they make my heart happy Yes, Sarah Silverman. I think I've been calling her Sarah Silverstein for like the last like two days. <laughs> <laughs> so, whoops, my bad. If you ever hear this, which I doubt you will, I apologize. Sarah Silverman. <laughs> I'm going to tag person. her on Twitter. <laughs> this guy can't even get your name right. I can't get anyone's name right. Matt, whatever your name is. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> In my defense, you keep switching your last name on me, so it's... <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's, yep. Um, but they made Vanellope look like Sarah Silverman. Uh, I got his name wrong before, but I'm going to get it right. It's Jack McBriar. I'm pretty sure he did Fix It, fix it Felix. Yeah. And even he looks, aside from being a tall, long-armed man, he, like, even just with the hairstyle and a bit of the face, you can see that. Jane Lynch, I can't remember the captain's character. I can't remember what her name is. The, the, I have the, no idea. The awesome the, Call of the Duty. The badass Captain yeah. Lady. <laughs> um, she looks Let's like Jane badass Lynch. badass Captain Lady. It's like everyone looks like their character to a point. Like you can see similarities. And then there's Alan Tudyk. Who voices Turbo and King Candy. Yeah. Looks nothing like him, but it works because of who... Like I didn't know that was Alan Tudyk, by the way. Like Until I saw it this time. Yeah, I had no clue. I, I knew it... I think I don't remember if I knew it the first watch through or not, or I like I saw it in the credits where his name popped up. Yeah. I'm like what? Because it doesn't sound anything like him, and I've been a fan of this man since Firefly and probably a bit before that. But like, like the dude is a good voice actor too. He can. He's very versatile. He's very versatile. Like, and he did a great job as the villain. Like in all honesty, like 
and I liked that. I liked that villain story too. I like, and I like how they kind of like alluded to it. I like how it was like, they just like would throw out the term going turbo and like as an audience member, you don't think you're like, Oh, turbo just means like, Oh, you're going extra. You're going like whatever. Yeah. But then they finally reveal what going turbo means. And I did think they did that in a really good way. And they also set up like that, that hero's duty is like a new, new game. Right. And I think that was really well set up but yeah the right again like going back to just thinking out the worlds and creating the not just the individual game worlds for each game but how they all interconnected i already gave them a lot of praise already in this uh podcast for that uh really well done and that also continues on into the writing and the storytelling techniques and the growth and development of these characters and when they change and when they intercept new characters, like we said, Ralph is one way and that change starts to happen. His belief starts to shift once he meets, obviously, Penelope and they continue Penelope, on their journey Penelope, thank together. you very much. Now you can't get can't get the character's name right, Matt. What? What did I say? You said Penelope. It's Vanellope. It's with a V. Oh, Vanellope. Oh, yeah, Vanellope okay. von, von Sweet. Ah, oh, we're right, even now. Right, right. Man, we fair, are we are being fair so Fair enough, mean except to yours was a real person, mine was an animated character. But she is connected to that animated character. Shut up. <laughs> we're just we're rough on <laughs> her character so or her real life what, name. Neither of us let's, know things. You know what? Let's 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 actually talk about uh Vanellope and Sarah Silverman. And actually I'm really scared to say her name now because I feel like I'm gonna say it wrong. Sarah Silverman. Okay, yeah. let me just quickly finish my thought here. Or Fine. I'm going to forget it later on. I just wanted Fine. to point out that just how they uh, structured and crafted the story was really well done. It was really well thought out. And again, like you said, how they placed those turbo hints along the way. That it wasn't enough that you'd be like, oh my god, it's turbo. But by the time you get to the end, you're like, that makes so much damn sense. Like it was such cool. an, it was an awesome, it was a great twist. And, and again, even, just how they crafted all of it was really, really well thought out and really well done. Even how they set up the 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 reveal, it was rules of three. They mention yeah. one guy asks him if he went turbo, and then Cubert mentions he went turbo. Turbo. And then uh, Felix is talking to Hero's duty lady because I still can't remember. Her Gives name. you like um, the whole background of turbo, yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is like they set it up twice, and then boom, there's the explanation, right? And yeah. then then you get the reveal i didn't see that twist coming at all like, no and you and you don't remotely. like you just assume they're giving you exposition for something that's already happened you don't think it's going to apply later on um it's very much like did you ever play knights of the old republic back in the day yes i never finished it though okay so spoilers for knights of the old republic really random but what they did with that game is very similar in a narrative sense um so this whole time like you create your character and it's like whatever you're going on this journey you're a soldier then they're like oh wow you have the force you're gonna be a jedi and you're like sick as hell i'll take a lightsaber and this whole time they're telling you these stories about the sith lord who existed before the game started and who apparently had died right the sith lord revan and they tell you about him they tell you about him they keep mentioning him he's a huge part of the narrative you're following in his footsteps to try to uncover the mysteries of the game and then all of a sudden like three quarters of the way through the game they're like oh hold tight you are revan and you're like holy shit i'm revan so like this what? character that you've been hearing about this whole time what happened is revan got captured the jedi wiped his mind and replaced him with a new identity right 
So this whole time you were actually this character that you've been hearing about. And it was like just one of the biggest twists in gaming. It probably still is one of the biggest twists in gaming. And from a story standpoint, just like I hold it just super in high regard because how they pulled it off was awesome. And when they revealed it to you, they didn't just like, boom, you're Revan. It was you got flashbacks of all these scenes as you talked to these characters and not just about Revan, but they literally laid out everything that had happened to you and laid out every hint that you would have needed to know it was you, but yeah. you just wouldn't know. So, like, it was all there, and then they show you, here's all the proof we've already told you. Like, the beginning of the game, the one dude's like, I hear the Force can do terrible things to a mind. Wipe away your identity and, you know, wipe away all your memories. And you're like, okay, cool, I don't know. <laughs> like, this, they literally just told you what happened, like, ten seconds into the game. But you're just like, yeah, whatever, man. So, but it's writing like that, where those twists become super, super impactful. Because they give you the information, they tell you about it, that you just think it's something that happened before. Or you're not connecting it to the story you're currently on. And then when the twist shows up, it's just, it's like, wow, that was, like, it just is so much more impactful compared to twists that happen and literally come out of nowhere. Those are annoying. Those annoy me when they come out of nowhere and it's like, okay, there's no way anyone would have known that, like. When you drop those hints before leading up to it or you give information and you conclude it with an impactful reveal, that's money. And that's what they did here. That's what they did in KOTOR too. It's just, I just appreciate the hell out of that. I appreciate the hell out of that. Well, I think they were smart too because like for me at least, the first time I saw it, I, I immediately dismissed Turbo because yeah. Yeah. what they did, they were really smart about what they did. And they only showed him in two dimensions until the reveal. Yeah. They only showed him as an 8-bit character. They didn't They didn't have a CG nice model where he shows up and is like, oh, this is Turbo, and look, he he's in the real tangible thing. He They separated yeah. him by, like, an era. They, like, they Visually totally separated as well. him yeah. completely. And, like, like, thinking about that, I think that's really smart because, again... I just assumed he was just the lead to something the in the games. past. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's just, he's that old. Like, and that's what I also, loved about this twist, especially this time. I was like, man, they just totally had me thinking this was something in the past. They totally had me thinking this had nothing to apply to what was going to happen next in the story. And boom, there it was. And I was like, Oh, you guys got me. You got, I've seen this movie before and you got me. I'm not saying they got me in 2012. They got me in 2012, but they also got me yesterday when I watched it. Like, did you like, forget about? Did you forget about? I totally the forgot. I, I, like, I saw this movie in 2012 once, man, once, yeah. and I haven't seen it since then. So I totally forgot so much about this film, and especially the turbo part. So they got me a second time, man. They got me a second time. I don't know what to say, but I, it was great. I loved every hey, moment of it. I loved the, being the idiot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like you're that's done. what's like, great oh, about it man oh it just feels so good like can you imagine though being like a gamer like in an arcade game and then suddenly just a character from another game just shows up <laughs> that would be like, so I, like i love dude, that I, yeah like they handled it really calmly in that scene they're like hey is that turbo and like I, that's the last thing that i'd be 
me. Like, I'd be like, this game is possessed. Something's <laughs> going on. Like, oh, there's some weird shit going on here. We're out. But, like, they're just like, hey, isn't this that character? What's he doing here? And, like... And that was obviously love... the, before the time of crossovers. <laughs> I love the... And arcade games don't just get, like, updated like that, but... Yeah. I love the little, like, the little jabs they put, too, where it's, like, when the kids start playing that racing game versus, like, the old one where it's, like, oh, the graphics are so great. And it's, like, yeah, I just got flashbacks to, like, literally, dude, Goldeneye. First time that I saw Goldeneye, I'm, like, holy crap, these graphics are so good. And I think back to that, and I'm, like, what was I thinking? Oh, dude. But every every game is like that for its time, right? The graphics are amazing. You go back 10 years later, what in the actual shit is this? Like, even when I remember old games, I remember them with, like, clearly better graphics than they have. <laughs> like, yeah. in my mind, it's, like, modern graphics. So, at times when you go back to play it, it's a little, like, jarring because you're like, I don't remember this looking this bad. Because at the time, like, that was as close as we were to looking really freaking awesome, right? Now we've gone significantly closer as far as game graphics. But that applies for CGI, too. Right, that applies for so much CGI. Like sometimes it's like, oh my god, CGI is amazing. You go back and watch it, you're like, what the hell is this shit? Like it looks terrible. Well, it's even actually, it's a hundred percent. If you go back and you look at like the first couple Toy Stories and like A Bug's Life, yeah, and you, you, like it's still like it's still really good Pixar animation. But you can tell, especially if you go to like Toy Story or even Monsters Inc. is a big one. Like, like well, no, like go to the original Toy Story and look at the freaking dog, man. Look at the dog. Like that yeah. that's telling right there. Like there ain't no hair on that thing. Like it's plastic. Or do you even look at Sid. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. But um so I was actually it was funny because like for the longest time I was of the opinion of like animated films don't need Blu-rays necessarily because mm. like you can't really improve on the animation. You can clean up the image, but you can't really make the image any sharper. And for 2D animation, for like traditional hand-drawn, I still agree with that to a point. I don't think you can really... You can only restore it so much that eventually like 4Ks and stuff don't really aren't really going to make much of a difference. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to actually take away some of the magic because they're just going to remove any bit of grain, which isn't good. But I ate my words when I watched Monster Inc. on Blu-ray for the first time on a 1080p TV. Yeah. Because suddenly, like, Sully's hair, Mike's skin texture, things that I didn't even pick up on. And it was actually, like, for a little bit leading up to it, like, my boss was very much, or my friend was, my, yeah, I'm going to try that again. Leading up to it, one of my friends was very much like, no, animated films are great in high definition in 4K. They're amazing. And I didn't believe her. So I made a very sheepish apology when I finally watched one in high def. And I was like, oh yeah, it totally made a difference. <laughs> yeah. And it's specifically, it's the CG ones. Because again, yeah. there's all these things that they render. And it's like, I don't know, watching Wreck-It Ralph, it was, it was still really, 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 really beautiful to watch too. Like just yeah. all the environments. It really is, yeah. <laughs> they got Skrillex to do a song for this movie. <laughs> What song was that? The the one that was uh during the the hero's duty mission, that dubstep oh, song. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That yeah, was yeah, one, yeah. I think it was one specifically made for Wreck It Ralph. I think it's called like Bug or something like that. Hmm. And I forgot about it until I was watching the movie, and then I suddenly just heard that familiar Skrillex sound, and I'm like, oh, 
Right. Right. Uh, yeah. That was a thing. That Great was a dubstep. Thing. Dubstep was huge back in 2012. Just, just pumping, man. Pumping. Pump it up. No, that's a, that's a different. That's a different song. What? What? <laughs> well, What's of course. Ah, oh, man. No, I just. Yeah, this was it was a great movie, and there was a, like what really surprised me again on this walkthrough, or this rewatching was how much heart this film ultimately has at the end of the day, for every like, character. That was just yeah, that was just the biggest shocker. Um, other than forgetting about Turbo completely, the second biggest thing that I completely forgot about was how good this film makes you feel by the time you're done. Like it's oh, yeah. just such a feel good film. It is warm. Ralph learns, he grows, he learns his lesson. He goes from being, you know, selfish and self-focused and not being able to accept himself to be able to fully accept who he is and then make those selfless sacrifices, right? And, like, that ending was just magic. Sarah Silverman's character, like, again, like, when Ralph smashes her car and stuff like that, like, she conveys all these different emotions, whether she's hyper-excited or... Like, when she's being bullied because she's a glitch herself, right? There were so many moments where her character was amazing. Even the dynamic between Fix-It Felix and Badass Commander Chick. Like, even Badass Calhoun. Commander Chick. Her name Chick, is Calhoun. Calhoun. Even her she backstory? had a backstory. <laughs> you I know what that. I mean? Like, there was just so many different things. And it was so attention to detail. But again, like, it's just, there were so many emotional moments that really got you in the feels. That really was like, oh, man. Sometimes it was sad. Sometimes it was just out of pure joy. But by the time you're done watching this film, you just, you feel good. You feel happy. And I would highly recommend this movie to anyone who's having a hard time with what's going on in the world right now. With how crazy it is. With how, like, how much hate and anger and frustration and you know terrible things that are happening right now this is such a good movie for you to watch because this is just the refresher you need like put your Honestly. brain put everything aside for a couple hours sit down watch this film and you will feel so much lighter by the time it's done like that's how good wreck it ralph feels it still holds up it's such a good film Honestly, I was I was having a rough day, and then I watched I watched that and Avengers in the same day, and like it, immediately both those just boosted my mood, man. Just yeah, there's nothing. No, like I, a good I, movie, right? I did like, the same thing, man. Same thing. It's just like, and it's I think I think that's again why this is important, and I think it's also this why it's important for us to actually go back and watch the same movies so we can be on the same page too, and yeah. not have to re-explain everything to each other. Yeah. Because like, because like, man, I like, I don't know if I could have talked about Wreck It Ralph, if I would have just been like, oh, I like that one and didn't watch it. Yeah, I, I think I would have just been like struggling to be like, I would have gone back to my like, oh, I'm just smiling now because like this just and like that that happened. There are moments where I think about it, I'm like, I just start smiling, but like, I I hate it when that's my default answer mm -hmm. because like it's an answer, but it's a non-answer. But like this one, like no, it actually like. It, it just hit me in all the right emotional buttons. It made me sad when I needed to be sad, and it made me happy when I needed to be happy. And again, you feel a connection to these characters, too. Yeah. Like, you're rooting for every single one of them, and you just want everyone to be happy, and you want there to be a reason. Like, it was funny, actually, I was going, like, watching it, though, I felt like everything that happened happened really conveniently for them to move to the next plot point. 
but it also happened so naturally that the convenience was okay. So, like, Ralph seeing the side of the game where Penelope was on the side of the game. Right. I was like, okay, that's convenient he saw that, but at the same time, the only way that he saw that was going back and learning, like, going back and seeing the damage that he did to he his caused. game. Yeah. And realizing his mistake, which led him to see, as soon as he realized his mistake and got that clarity, he gained the clarity to see, whoa, this is a big piece of the puzzle that we need to actually solve. Mm-hmm. Right? And that happened a few different times where a character would learn learn a thing or learn a lesson about themselves and then they would gain the next piece to their story. So it came off as convenient, but at the same time, like, it worked. Yeah. Because without that lesson beforehand, they wouldn't have gained that clarity. Well, like I, I said, really like, good. like... Like I said, like, the story's been well thought out and was well crafted. Like, it was weaved together. The things... Uh, everything happened at the right moment at the right time that it needed to happen and like that's really all you can say about it like it just was so well crafted like it was a well crafted story they didn't just wing it they're like we didn't have we just have this idea let's just wing out something like it was just really well thought out you can tell there was a lot of time that was put into the writing and the designing of not just the world but the story itself and and the character arcs that were all just great. I appreciate that greatly. And it had the effect that they wanted it to have at the end of the day, right? Like, it was about love. It was about accepting yourself. It was about being selfless. Like, it was just... Oh, it felt so good, man. It felt so good. Like, it felt like, like a nice hot cup of like hot chocolate with marshmallows on after being outside in like minus 40 weather like it was just amazing like it was so it was cozy yeah it was cozy it was cozy man it was cozy like um oh no i can't remember my question i had a thought i have several thoughts but like i had a thought uh crap crap this was an important thought too it was to do with the movie. <laughs> uh, we'll edit around this. It's fine. Uh, but to me, it's... it's Yeah, I completely lost my thought. What were, we, what were you saying before? What were you saying? It was cozy. Before that. Um, just how well-crafted the story was. Well thought out, well planned, well crafted. Created the effects they wanted to. Oh, yeah, I remember it. I remember it now. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think one of the big strengths of this movie, too, was that any recognizable video game character was relegated to being a cameo or a very minuscule side part. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think if they would have had Mario be a main character, if they would have had, like, any of the, like, if they would have had Sonic be more than a cameo, I think it really would have taken away from the film, because it would have been a lot more of, oh, hey, look, it's this character now. Oh, it's this type of movie. And It would have been distracting, yeah. It wouldn't have just been a good story about good characters. It would have been like, oh, well, here's these familiar faces that you see, which was fun. Again, seeing Bowser in the support group and the ghost and like yeah, that was pretty great. 
trying to name which games people were in. That was a fun game to play, but it never took away from the story and was never never the main focus. And I yeah. loved that. And I think that's that's important in storytelling. And I feel like that's as weird as it's gonna sound, I feel like if they tried to make this movie today, I know it's only been eight years. I think that it wouldn't have been that. I think it would have laid a lot more heavily handed into the meme of it all, you know? Yeah. And I think I think it would have taken away from from the story. I think it would have taken away from that heart that we both feel was. Because uh, actually, no, actually that ties into my next point. One thing that did take away from me and one of the negative things that I felt was that the music was a bit random at points. Like, Rihanna's drive just didn't feel like it fit oh. at that moment. <laughs> like, yeah, it didn't really bother me too much. It, I get what you're saying, but it didn't felt, bother me too much. Like and again, it was like it was a very quick moment, so it was like it was there and then it was gone. Um, it just seemed really out of place for the rest of the movie. And I'm just quickly looking to see when it came out. And first song, yeah. So that song came out in 2008. This movie came out in 2012. So there's like four. That song is four <laughs> years old. So it's like it was like borderline too new to be in a movie like that, but also too old to be in a movie like that because it wasn't like this is a hit for now, and it wasn't like hey, this is a hit that was like a classic. It was just a really weird. It was a weird song in between. Hit. It worked for the moment, I suppose, but it felt weird. It was the same thing with the end credit song, but, like, it's an end credit song. It's always kind of... I don't know what the end credit song was. I, it probably was written for the movie, but tonally, it didn't fit with the rest of the movie, I felt. Mm. But, I mean, like, that's... Yeah, I don't remember what it was. I mean, a lot of the music, honestly, when I look back and think... even Like, I watched it yesterday. I watched it yesterday, so it's not like I watched it, like, last week or something. I do not remember the music. Like, even when you're like, that cat made music for this movie. I was like, where? I don't remember. Like, I just, none of the music really stuck out to me. But I guess it didn't need to. Like, for me to really enjoy this film, it wasn't, the music wasn't grounding this film at the end of the day. Or maybe, well, like, it was done so well that I just didn't notice it. I don't know. But that's kind of, that's my point with it. Is like It's like all the other music, including Skrillex's song, fit in to the movie where it needed to be and then to me rihanna's song stuck out like a sore thumb like it was just in a weird place yeah but again it made again it made sense for the context of the scene that they were doing it makes sense but it made too much sense i guess <laughs> sometimes you just don't want to put things like right on you know like you don't want to just be like well, right on the nose i can't think of any other disney movie or pixar movie that's relied on that kind of like that seems like more of like a a WB or a DreamWorks or an Illumin or Illumination moment or a Blue Sky moment. Like it's like any other animation studio that seems like it that would happen, but I can't think of any other Yeah. Disney movie. I mean Cars actually I think would be the closest, but I mean like Cars did that pretty right up front where they had like different songs from different artists throughout mm -hmm. the movie, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas like this was like the one that stuck out Whereas, because again, the Skrillex one they wrote for a scene for a game that it would be in, and he wrote it for the for the movie, from what I understand. Right. 
So like, I don't know. It just, it was a weird, it was a weird choice, but at the same time, it didn't kill the movie for, if this is my only complaint about this movie, like, I think that's pretty good. Cause like, oh man, this one song kind of felt weird. <laughs> Still probably a nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 movie. True. But like, like, yeah, like it, it was like, honestly, that's the only thing I can think of that bugged me in it was just like and it wasn't even a bug it was just like it scratched scratched the top of my head just kind of like oh like this is a little too on the nose but i like so i like oh in that same scene though um leading up to it i like the little reference to racing games and shortcuts because like i remember that like actually it's funny out of all games i remember it most it was either lego racing or diddy kong racing I remember shortcuts existing. I don't remember much from Mario, but for some reason, Lego racing is the most vivid one that I have for uh, shortcuts like that, where you just drive into a wall at the right time. I don't even remember Lego racing. Mario Kart was my jam, though. Mario Kart, man. Mario Kart was too. Like, most racing games were because, like, that was... It was the safe game that no matter no matter what <laughs> what your upbringing was, you could play a racing. You could game. play a racing game. It's with cars, except for twisted except metal. For twisted metal. <laughs> I was gonna say twisted metal with this yep. scary ass clown. But like, I saw that clown, I was like, I'm out, man. No, nope. not even want to play this game. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that sounds about right. That checks. <laughs> but it just I had like I, anytime I saw it, even now, I just had this visceral like memory resurgence of like racing games. Like, just in that moment, that scene leading up where she hits that shortcut. And it just, I don't know why. I don't know why out of everything else that triggers that memory. Because they're racing through most of this movie. They do a lot of it, yeah. But just that one, the shortcut thing, just like, I don't know, man. It hit hit a nostalgia nerve, and I loved it and hated it at the same time. And then, like, I'm just trying to think of, like, Man, there's so many scenes that I just loved in this movie. Like the cake, the not cake making, the car making scene. Oh fun. yeah, like yeah. The mini games, like that was, the mini games felt straight out of Mario Party. Like, like the people who made this movie did their homework on gaming. At the very least, like, or they were people who just really enjoyed gaming too, and because it was mainly a lot of like arcade or classic kind of gaming like it was definitely more focused in that direction right minus like the bug shooting you know you know uh captain commander badass chick where she was from wherever that game calhoun was her name is calhoun. calhoun i like calling her commander captain badass chick i mean like and that's fair i she, i appreciate that <laughs> she is like that is what she is like she's badass as hell she's awesome um but yeah, like, because it was mostly, like, retro stuff. So I'm sure a lot of these people, for a lot of them, creating these things, because obviously a lot of animation, a lot of story like that all takes so many people to collaborate and work together on. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot of people there who just had very passionate memories of these old games as well. Uh, so, like, when you watch it, it's not just shoehorned in there. Like, a lot of these things are just works of love, and they know how to integrate them into the film and when to integrate them so it feels again natural like i said before it was just like this movie was just so well planned out and so well thought out um other than i guess the rihanna thing like i just have a hard time looking through this film and being like yeah that didn't work for me 
or that was kind of dumb or not sure why that happened like there's not like logic flaws left right and center with this film and honestly i can't think of one off the top of my head this film just worked it worked 100 percent. and it worked because it was again well planned well designed well thought out the characters the themes the story arcs the 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 twist ending it was just yeah well they they knew how to keep they knew how to keep raising the stakes yeah like and they raised them like they didn't lay it all at an appropriate level yeah very slowly it's like okay well now we need to do this thing okay now we need to get you back to your game okay now we need to finish this race so that she can oh she can't she can't do the race because then she'll be stuck or they'll think it's a bug or anything like like they just kept raising it in such a subtle subtle good way as opposed to just like oh now we gotta now we gotta turn off this bomb that randomly showed up in this scene and cut the green wire or the red wire like it wasn't that. <laughs> yeah yeah and then like it's very organic again like i think I, i've spoke about it already but ralph's sacrifice like at the end and like honestly in the theaters and like kind of in this one like again i remember the film really well but like in theaters they tricked me into thinking that that was gonna be it for ralph like honestly i I was like wow disney is actually gonna kill off their main character holy crap they're actually gonna do it they're actually gonna do it they're actually gonna do it and they didn't do it but like you were pretty sure they had you convinced yeah they they went down to the wire on it man like and i was like just i was i was tearing up and i was sad and i was just like they get you two two sad tears and then they end it with a happy tear man and then like and how he's saying like the the evil mantra like the mantra yes he's like going down i'm like dude this is so awesome it is so awesome because again it was just that final acceptance of who he is like he's at peace with who he is that was amazing like it was just oh amazing I did not give this film enough credit the first time I saw it. Because, like, why haven't I watched it more? Maybe it's just, like, the state that I'm in. Or, again, like, your movie preferences and taste change, right? And you focus on different... Like, I focus on very different things now in 2020 when it comes to my films and what I enjoy and what I love about them compared to 2012. So I think I just really underestimated this film or I didn't give it enough credit at the end of the day. Because just re-watching this, I was like, like when you said Wreck It Ralph, and I was like, "Really, Wreck It Ralph? Okay, whatever. I'll watch it. It was all right." And I watched it. I'm like, "Oh my god, this movie's amazing!" I was like, "No, what? Right. I'm like, where have I been? Like, what movie did I watch last time?" And that's, I just, I think that's I, what it, it was, was like watching it with fresh eyes. It was like watching it with fresh eyes, and I just, I loved it. I loved it. I gotta watch like the sequel. Like, it's been like that with a lot of those older movies though again where it's like this like this movie doesn't get the praise that it deserves like it really doesn't because like again it as you said it's just it was a good it's a dynamite movie (laughs) dynamite gal (laughs) i that i loved that was pretty great too yeah you're one dynamite gal dynamite gal (laughs) oh no dude oh the characterizations in this film were oh it's just so the the, the quicksand so good nest quicksand yeah the next quicksand with like the 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 laffy taffy and him getting hit in the face where she's yeah. just punching him and he's like it's just fine like, heal it with his magical hammer 
And then they get up and like the Laffy Taffy's like singing it a heart around them. <laughs> just like I just cracked up, man. Like it's oh, like again, it just it made me feel and it made me feel many different things. And uh, that's maybe I'm just talking in circles now about it, but like, you know, I'm, I'm I think really we glad are. I picked this one. <laughs> I'm really happy that I picked this one and I'm really, really happy with that I took the time to revisit it. Yeah. Because honestly, in reflection, yeah, I think it, it was my top film of 2012 the other ones i liked too but this one just <sighs> i have clear vivid memories of feeling things throughout it in the theater and those feelings stood up eight years later yeah i'm not gonna lie like i said i'm glad you picked it too because <laughs> it was honestly just my pleasure to just sit and enjoy this film of course like the kid was like hanging around we were like wrestling a bit here and there but to just be able to take hey, in this film was just I loved it. You know, the silly thing is if you would have asked me back in 2012, what my favorite film is what I I would have said the Hobbit just out of my love of Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. I would have been like the Hobbit. Did that come out in 2012? I totally missed that. I totally missed that on that list. That's how much I care about the Hobbit. But that's, I'm kind of glad I didn't go back and revisit that one because I don't think I would have had as good of a time. I think I, I still like the Hobbit. I like those series well enough. I, it's, not as good as Lord of the Rings. I'll never say it's as yeah, good as Yeah, not Lord even close. Yeah. But it's better than the prequels are to Star Wars, if that makes sense. Uh, better than episode two. I'll give you that. <laughs> better than episode two. Better than two. the sequels are to, to Star Wars? <laughs> yes. Mostly. Actually, like, and that's the funny thing. Like, okay, we got, well, we're talking about Star Wars again. You can get me into Star Wars, man? No, you know what? I'm not even going to say You anything. already brought Star, you already brought Star Wars up for a good part of your, part of your. Oh, yeah, but that was a video game. That was in the movies, man. I was just, it, it was to reference a very specific, uh, you know, story beat that was very similar in both films. So it made sense. I'm not talking about Star Wars. I am not talking about Star Wars. Don't even try to entice me. This film was great. I'm glad you picked this one and not The Hobbit. That's all I'm going to say about um, that. Matt, I have I have one thing to say to you uh, that might entice you to talk about Star Wars. Do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, any other final thoughts, I guess, on Wreck-It Ralph uh, other than our final thoughts that I feel like probably no, like, gave? I think- already like, again man like i think i think we covered it and like if there's anything that we missed at all then like please let us know in the comments let us know what you think about wreck it ralph and yeah. how you did, felt about it yeah that's that and that's a great question like did you guys love wreck it ralph do you love it as much as i love it and if you haven't watched it recently go watch it like seriously just it's on disney plus so if you have disney plus it's already on there <laughs> I did see the sequel on Netflix, so I know what I'm watching next week. Right? Like, I'm already thinking. I'm like, I'm trying to yeah. think of, like, what my day's off that I can, like, watch it. Because I think I want to yeah, see the Yeah, because I got to check this out. Me. I got to see if it's, like, at least, even if it's half the film that the first one is, it's still, that would be a pretty good film. As long as it's still sequel. fun. As long as it has the heart, it... man. It's got to have the heart. Exactly. So, Matt, is it time for the question of the day? Well, I was going to ask you, what are your other honorable mentions for 2012? I think you can oh, mention yeah, them, I guess right? So. Yeah, just, oh, just mention them. To... All right, so so my other honorable mentions, I actually have to go back to my notes on this because I sent you a list. Um, so Argo, I've already talked about. That's one that surprised me because I wasn't actually planning to watch it. Um, and then my friends 
drag me along to a theater. It was one of the cheap theaters in Red Deer. Uh-huh. And I was blown away by it. I was just, I was surprised. I was really happy with it. Um, other honorable mentions are Dread, uh, 21 Jump Street, Man in Black 3, Cabin in the Woods, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, and Hitchcock. Oh, I didn't see Hitchcock in there. It was Hitchcock okay. Is one, that's one I didn't see until last year, I think, or the year before. Hmm. And it was kind of funny because, like, I was unsure about it. And then I watched the opening sequence on it, and I was immediately like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're, we're watching. All right. And uh, I was on board. Man. I was, like, it was a good biopic. I thought it was fun. They probably embellish things about him. But I mean, they always do with every biopic. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Amazing Spider-Man. We already talked about Amazing Spider-Man 2, so I don't need to even touch on that. Yeah. Cabin in the Woods is just a fun horror film. Men in Black 3, one of the best threequels I've ever seen on anything. Another one makes me tear up. Man, <sighs> I, I have to like, lot. I'm like, I'm listening to your list. I'm like, I got to revisit some of these because they, to me, like in my memory, they do not hold that high of a standard. Amazing Spider-Man, I'll give to you. But like, it's like Men in Black 3, like it was okay. It was honestly, I like it better I than Men know. in Black 2. Okay, Men in Black 2, though, wasn't that great. But that's the thing, like, dude, like... It's number one not as good was, as, like, It's money, not as good man. as number one, but it's better than number two. Okay, fair enough, you know. It's probably accurate. I like, it's probably accurate. I personally, I personally really enjoy the 21 and 22 Jump Street movies. I think that they're really funny. They're they're a bit of modern humor, but I still think that they're fun. I, I enjoy them. I enjoy the jokes in them. Mm. Um, And then Dread was a surprise one because the trailer looked terrible. And I just wanted to see it because it was a. It was, I'm like, it's going to be a dumb action movie. Let's just go see it. And <laughs> Prosser didn't want to go see it. He was very against going and seeing Dread in theaters. And then uh, it turned out to be one of his favorite movies of all time and <laughs> one of his favorite superheroes. And that was kind of that was fun to see someone go from being like, no, nah, this looks dumb to being like, no, this was amazing. And I love this character. It was really, it was fun. It was good to see that. Like, it, it was just fun to see that change. Like, mm-hmm. it was just really cool, man. Like, so that one just has like a bunch of extra memories with it too. But honestly, yeah, looking at that list still, like Wreck-It Ralph is still the one that's like tops. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you on that list. I would now couple of days ago Good. i wouldn't be so sure but now i'm like yeah i'm all in wreck See, it now, I don't, even, wreck now it. I don't need to convince you about movies that you should watch that i, like. I, I should just take watch one you to watch it have you that watched have you watched time. darkest hour yet damn it I still <laughs> haven't watched it damn but it. i had another customer at work tell me to watch it actually no i've had two i've had two customers since you told me to watch like, it dude to tell me to watch it watch it just it's on my list. Watch man. it. You're killing me here, you. man. You're killing me. <sighs> anyway. Was that your question of the day is have I watched Darkest Hour? <laughs> no, because I already knew the answer. You could tell because I was reacting before you even answered. I knew the answer because I know if you watch it, you'd be like, dude, I, I just watched Darkest Hour. It was pretty freaking awesome, man. And I'd have been I'm like, gonna, I no, told you, I'm man. Gonna... So I knew. I already knew. 
regardless of how I feel about that film, I'm gonna message you. I'm gonna be like, man, it was mediocre. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be like, this about. movie sucks shit. I'm gonna be like, I hate you. We cannot be friends anymore. <laughs> and that's that's how Feast of Films ends <sighs> because Darkest Hour wasn't a good because Darkest. <laughs> don't even, don't even say that, man. That is one film I will defend. Like, not like sometimes when people are like that's not a good movie, I'm like, okay, fair enough, whatever, sure, maybe you didn't think that way. Someone says Darkest Hour is not a good movie. I'm like, you just jump off a bridge, man. Get out of here. You don't know nothing. <laughs> it's no longer subjective. It's, it's, it's just not even, straight up. All things are subjective, except Darkest Hour. <laughs> like, you just know. That is a masterpiece. No. no. I mean, I'm sure it's not the greatest film ever made, but no. It's, it's like, for me, it was just super enjoyable. But it's got, like, again, the history, the real, realism into it, the, the drama, the tension. It was so so good all right question of the day you ready for this yes okay i'm gonna kind of set us up into our next uh segment a little bit coming up um this is an mcu question so very recently we have just discovered that i mean as recently i mean literally today uh black widow has been delayed to 2021 same with eternals um, yeah, Black Widow now is in May 2021. Then it'll be Shang-Chi in July 2021. Eternals moved all the way back to November 2021. So that phase four uh, rollout of movies has obviously been considerably shifted back. Which I'm fine with. Out of all those films, not those three that I mentioned, but kind of like what's coming up in phase four, which one are you most excited to see and which one are you a little bit more disappointed that it's now just that much further away? honestly i don't know like that's the that's the worst answer i could think of but like because like i'm excited for doctor strange like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm i'm pumped for that one the multiverse that one also, of madness like, yeah i'm i'm content waiting for it like um I, I mean, well i'm not uh, saying not meantime, content like, like no like i need to see it now but like which the, one's just slightly like like pangs you a little bit like oh it's just a little further away now well, it's, I, I'd like Black Widow to get her moment. Like, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, like, she should have had her moment, like, six years ago. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, like, un, like, it's, it was one of those moments when I saw that where I was just like, okay, again, like, I get it, but, like, come on. Um, Eternals and Shang-Chi I'm excited about, but I'm not, like, Well, we right haven't now. seen anything. Actually, like at all we don't know anything actually though. no you know what you know the guardians one that i'm or the guardians is what i'm really upset about is going to be pushed back because yeah. i know it's going to be pushed back because of course it is yeah that's what i've been waiting for for a very long time but like in the meantime we are going to still get wandavision and falcon and winter soldier wandavision this year falcon winter soldier also 2021 no so they, like this is Possibly actually because 2021 it, who knows like, they just started resuming uh, production. But, um, like, it's interesting, because this is the first time since 2009 that there hasn't been an MCU film that'll be released. But, like, honestly, A, I'm okay with that, because I think I think it's going to actually do favors for the series, because I think it's going to take a break from that superhero fatigue that people might have been feeling. Well, I think everyone and... had, like, an endgame hangover, is what yeah. I heard. Like, because, like, the endgame, that was the end of the culmination. Like, we did it, guys. We did it. 
And then well, it's like, now what? Like, honestly, there's kind of this love there that comes naturally. Far From Home, which wasn't a bad movie, I think I think a lot of people weren't, like, raring to jump into that. Like, I yeah. think that one could have even waited for, like, if they would have pushed that back by six months, I think that would have been better. As opposed to just going, like, right from Endgame into Far From Home. Like, it was just, it was really so snappy. Yeah. No pun intended. I'd agree with but, that. Like, yeah. But, um... At the end of the day, and like that's why this question is difficult. I'm okay with any film taking their time. I'm okay with waiting for movies because personally, for me, I'd rather I'd rather wait and have a worthwhile, good experience with that movie and mm-hmm. actually enjoy it than them rush it and give me something that isn't completely well thought out or that isn't going to be the best experience, right? Well, we know for the most, like, we know when it comes to these films, though, like, they're getting pushed back because of COVID, right? They're getting pushed back with theaters and prices and how many people are actually coming out. Like, that's obviously the main, um, that's obviously the main culprit here. And it makes sense. It makes sense. I think they made the right decision. Because, like, Tenet came out, and people have been talking about Tenet all year because it was supposed to open just before everything, or just after everything had shut down, right? Um, yeah. And that's only, like, made $200 million at the box office, right? Like, and it's been out for a couple of weeks now. Um, at least in America. I don't know exactly what, like, worldwide or if other theaters are open exactly that situation. Or unless that is the... Maybe that is the worldwide number. I'm not sure. But obviously, like these movies aren't going to be bringing in the numbers that they need uh, right now because of the COVID situation. So it makes sense to push them back, delay them. Uh, hopefully things kind of calm down and get sorted out before, uh, you know, theaters open again and stuff like that. It's going to be, it's a really crazy time. But I figured for that's you it would be Guardians at the end of the day because it's like yeah, we already like, got the delay the when they fired James Gunn. <laughs> and then now like, we'll get an even bigger delay on that as well. Like maybe, maybe we'll be lucky and maybe it'll be one of the first things that happen when things open up again. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it'll boost forward, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm cool with a bit of a break, a bit of a breather from Marvel. Because mm-hmm. like I, as much as I, like, I love Marvel, I'm... I'm it, it, it sometimes feels like it's too much at once, you know? Like, too much to digest kind of thing. Too yeah. much of a good thing. Because um, I'm content. Even if Marvel did a film a year, I'd be fine with that. I don't need, like, three films a year. I think so. But, like, I would say, like, two, probably. I think two is a good number. Like, three sometimes summer, can be... Winter. Yeah, like, depends how spread out they are at the end of the day, right? Because a year is a long time. But it also depends when their competition is putting movies out, too, right? Like, we go from having, like, you know, early 2000s, like, you had maybe one comic book movie a year or so, and you're lucky. Now, you know, once everyone starts to open up again, it's like, you, you got you got DC coming in hard now, you got uh, well, the MCU, you have uh, Sony coming in hard again. It's like, man, there's gonna be a lot of comic book movies coming out. Well, it's funny because honestly, like right now, I'm actually more excited about the DC stuff that's coming out than I am the... Like, aside from the Snyder Cut, which mm-hmm. I just don't really... I'll watch it, but I'm not really too keen on it. But, like, uh, the Batman, I'm on board for. Yeah. 100%. Um, Black Adam, I'm super on board for. I didn't think I was going to be. And then The Rock talked to me for six minutes and changed my mind. <laughs> You're just like, um, hell of a salesman. Yep. Hell of a salesman. Uh, 
the Suicide Squad, I'm so on board yeah, for. Yeah, James man. Gunn's like, movie, yeah. Like, like there's just there's more of DC that I'm excited for, but that's because I've seen more for DC. Well, I think DC, too, is, like, in a really good spot. Just where they are, like, in their process of changing their DCU and growing it and, like, getting that momentum going. I think they're in a better spot than the MCU right now, just in general. Because, again, we talked about once you hit the end game, like, it kills all the story momentum because it all wraps up, right? Like, it is Now you got to find a way to start it up again. Um, And the whole, exactly, the whole thing kicked off with obviously iron man but avengers was the big one that pushed the mcu forward and like really appelled repelled it repelled it excelled it repelled it yeah repelled it i know what you're saying whatever word i'm trying to say i'm like excelled it repelled it i don't know um but that's when they first introduced thanos right and you kind of got those ideas of the infinity stones and then it became about where's the infinity stones throughout all the movies and stuff and it was kind of like a collect like it was really smart the way they did it because you had to collect all the stones and once you collected the stones Thanos showed up you know what i mean like it was just really great how they crafted that but of course once you get to the end now they have lost all story momentum because now they have to start a new story and a new build-up so yeah, I think the advantage definitely is towards the competition, especially DC right now. They're in a much better spot, uh, momentum-wise. Honestly, if this wasn't the first Black Widow film, I think if this was going to be like Black... If, if Black Widow would have had her own little trilogy or even like another film and then this one, yeah, I think there would be more disappointment or more like... Oh, about it. Because like, I, like, I, I, like number one, she's a character who's she's deserved her own movie for a while yeah and the fact that she's just getting one now is to me a tragedy like that's just that's like that. after the character's dead it's like you get a prequel movie cool like, man i hope it's good i i really hope it's good it looks pretty good like the trailers have me like at least entertained but it um. frustrates me because even if it's good we're probably not getting another one that's and true, unless that's they go with, dumb. like, a different actress or something. But not with Scarlett Johansson, though. Mm-hmm. It won't be Scarlett Johansson. Ah, for me, I would just... I'm a, Again, I think delaying is the right call. Um, Agreed, 100%. But for me, it's not, like... Because now, like, it's not just those three movies that get pushed back or move around. Like, the whole slate obviously does, right? Everything that was in 2021 is now 2022. Everything that was in 2022, now 2023. And so on. Um, like, for me, it's like Thor, Love, and Thunder, man. I just want to get back to Thor. Oh, like, I want to get back to I Thor about and that. Taika Waititi. Like, that was supposed to be, I think, it was either early 2022 originally or end of 2021. I can't remember when Love and Thunder was supposed to come out. Um... But knowing it's going to be probably another year or so extra now on top of that just bums me out just a little. Like, I know it's the right call, but it bums me out just a little. Eternals, I'm, I'm like so-so on because I have honestly no clue what they're going to do there. It's kind of like a Guardians of the Galaxy situation. I'm going to go in right. very much like not knowing what this is all about and just hoping I'll be like, Awesome. That's why I'm kind of ex- that's why I'm kind of excited about them and Shang Chi because like yeah Shang Chi no I don't know a ton like, about yeah like I I'm I'm open to anything like I'm right. really excited for that because it's gonna just be hopefully something different 
Well, yeah. So. But yeah, I'm like, to, to get back to Taika Waititi's door, I can't get back there fast enough. So that, that, that one I am a little disappointed about. But When I forgot about, I honestly forgot about Thor in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad. Well, he was closer to the end anyway, but a phase four that they announced and obviously you know there's yeah. a captain marvel 2 and a black panther 2 that'll be coming and blade well, is black coming Panther too they need to they'll be they'll be looking at figuring that out which is a whole well yeah thing. so it buys them a little time for that film i guess because that's gonna be a whole wow r.i.p jadwick boseman r.i.p man what a loss did we even talk about that no we we talked about it in messages. We didn't talk about it on the show or anything. Mm. Yeah, definitely a trend. The fact again, man, the fact that he was he was Black Panther in the middle of fighting cancer is amazing. Yeah, like what a guy through his own solo film, Infinity War and Endgame, had <laughs> cancer the whole time. That's crazy. Just wrecked it, man. He was just so good, like. Well, and no one knew, like, so he wasn't just, like, good on camera. He was good on set. Like, he just, he did his thing. Like, nobody knew he had cancer. It was just a surprise to everyone. And that just shows just kind of, like, you know, the stand-up type of person he was. Damn. Damn. It's disappointing, like, it's disappointing, right? Like, it's obviously a huge loss, um, obviously he became a very big cultural icon in his own right. He played a lot of cultural icons, right? For the African American community. He played a lot. Like he had a career that a lot of actors would be like, man, dream of having that type of career, dream of being able to play even one of those characters. And he played like how many of them until they crown it all off with T'Challa and to create such a movement in the African American culture and to be able to see them represented on film to see a black superhero like he became an icon in his own right and it's just like it's heartbreaking to see that it ends way too early because he still had so much left to give and i don't mean like for our entertainment but like culturally uh as a significant character and for a symbol that a lot of these younger african-american kids can look up to and see someone that represents them see somebody that they can fashion their life around or build the idea you know um is gone and that sucks like especially like at this time in american culture it, it sucks it's like we just yeah that's the type of things we need and 2020 strikes again but no rest in peace like seriously like chadwick boseman was is an icon and uh his work will just forever be treasured and his performances were just like just stellar and he just had so much still left to give and that's what makes i think we talked about this too on like an earlier episode not chadwick boseman but just in general when these performers or these amazing talents die way too soon it's just it adds to the tragedy, not only of a young death, but the gifts that were left ungiven, the, the performances they weren't able to portray, the, the emotions and the feeling and the change and the messages that they weren't able to present um, and affect the audiences and affect people and change lives and tell stories, really. That's just, that's a shame. 
And there's so few performers like Chadwick Boseman. There's so few performers of that caliber. Um, that it makes it even just like a little bit more like heart-wrenching. But yeah, no, he's an icon. And it's definitely, it's going to be tough to, you know, going forward. And I know a lot of people too are sensitive when you say like, what's going to happen to the MCU now? Or what are they going to do? Um, but I think that's more of a question that's, has a lot more respect to it because it just shows how significant he was to the MCU and where the MCU is going. Like this big, huge 100%. franchise. It shows how significant that people's are at that people. Like their first thought is like, well, what are the MCU going to do now? Like if no one asked that, then clearly he didn't mean shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Oh, they would just find someone else. No problem. But now well, like, it's such a like, big question because of how significant and how big of a role he played uh, not just in the current MCU that he's played in, but what he was meaning for the future. No, well, because he was he was part of the. It was him, Spider Man, and Captain Marvel were kind of going to be like the leaders of the new Avengers, yeah. right? So like that's completely changed now, and again, it's it's the idea because you couldn't like to me. Aside from him, like, leaving in his last will and testament saying, I want this actor to take over the role after me. Yeah. Like, I, you could not recast him. You could not recast T'Challa. Like, that's, that is Chadwick Boseman now. They are very, they're one of the they same. They become very ingrained. And that's, like, I'm so mixed on this, like, idea. Um, and, like, what they should do or what they shouldn't do. I don't honestly, it's very much like the carrie fisher princess leia situation it's actually it's damn near identical to that situation like what do you do um and what they chose to do is like use old footage and yada 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 which you know in the film itself didn't really work out the film itself was kind of a mess so it's, it's fair it all worked i guess <laughs> kind of just in its own context but obviously you wouldn't have that for chadwick chadwick boseman and he's the star of his own film he's not just playing it like a character that can be you know, push the side or here or there. Um, I, I, I battle with this because on one hand, it's like, do you take the legacy and that Chadwick Boseman put into that character of T'Challa and now say because Chadwick Boseman has passed, now this character that's become iconic to kids, to children, to these young African-American kids who are looking at this, as a role model or as someone that inspires them to now take that character and be like now you're pushed off to the side or you no longer a part of this or do you recast and have someone carry that legacy on forward so that character can still exist so the black panther can still exist or well, do you think... or do you completely like write out the character and bring in a new black panther of one form or another um, that's not necessarily T'Challa. It wouldn't necessarily hold the same um, cultural significance, whether it is his sister Shuri or somebody else. I don't. I don't know. I think. I think you could do a legacy character. I think you could pass on the torch because, again, it's the idea. Similarly to. Um, similarly to Spider Man where anybody can be black panther mm -hmm. and i think i think i i don't know if i'd go as far as like casting like just making Sh shuri into black panther i know she has in the comics and i think that's 
I don't think that Shuri in the MCU is ready, like, narratively at that place yet. But that's just... Well, I think think it would be almost interesting if, again, you... If you found a character to be Black Panther who wasn't necessarily from royalty. Because that, again, lends itself to that narrative that, hey, any kid who's... Because that's one thing with, with Spider-Man and Peter Parker at the end of the day, Peter and Miles and anyone who's been Spider-Man is just a regular guy at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So anybody could be Spider-Man. Black Panther still has that, well, not anybody can be it. You have to be be royalty in order to be Black Panther. And I think this could be a good opportunity to slightly change that narrative away from being necessarily the chosen one to being like, you know, you don't, don't have know. to be from this lineage, but again, I, I get yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like, I just feel like T'Challa and the Black Panther are so like intertwined and connected together. Like who they are, who they represent. Um, especially now, like especially in the MCU, right? Like comics is different, right? Comics can come and go, but just what they've put together and created in the MCU, it just it feels like those two are so closely connected. Um, and, but so again, I yeah, I just to, I don't know the answer. But that's why I think you would you would need to introduce a new character. I think I. Well, do you do honor to T'Challa though, like the character of T'Challa, by just being like, "Oh yeah, man, he died off screen sometime." Like, I don't know if yeah, that's, that's the right the way to honor that either, though. It it has to be handled correctly, and that's like a I know it it's does a yeah. answer, but like that's. The best answer I have is it has to be. It has to be. Well, it has right. to be. It has to be handled like sensitively. It has to be handled with care, um, or with you know for sure the right motivations behind it. Whoever you know, Kevin Feige probably ultimately having to make that decision, uh, along with the director coming back stuff. too. And... Yeah, yeah, but no, like, I, like as long as I they trust, have, yeah. I trust Marvel at the end of the day. Maybe that's maybe that's a dangerous thing to say what i trust them because i don't think that they're going to go out of their way to disrespect like again a guy who changed the world like he made a pretty massive impact well he just like just he opened the doors for more characters and more cultures to be introduced and put on the big screen right like the the actor who is canadian by the way i can't remember what his name is but he is on kim's convenience he's the son he's great he's playing shang chi and his post was like i'm writing on the, the coattails of your career without t'challa without black panther without what you created there would be no shang chi right like so not 100%. he's not just opening the doors for like more african-american cultures and to come on screen and to be part and to be shown but cultures around the world because we voted with our wallets and we said we want to see more than just stories about the same old white dudes at the end of the day exactly. and there's nothing wrong with stories about same old white dudes but like it's okay to mix it up we don't have to be exclusively shown stories but about like, white dudes like and that's again, what we're the, saying the problem the problem with that though is again they're showing it's the same old white dudes it's even like like this is a total side thing that's mildly unrelated but like one of the most interesting things to happen in batman to comics in the last 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. when uh batman disappeared and dick grayson became batman yeah because that completely changed the character it's a new character he wasn't 
Bruce Wayne being Batman. He was Dick Grayson being Batman. Yeah. And it was good. It was a really good run. It was fun. It was different. It was new. And they returned to status quo. And the problem with a lot of these big studios and a lot of these big companies is they don't like breaking out of that. They wouldn't even, again, they wouldn't break away to a different white guy Mm -hmm. playing Batman. They're like, nope, we got to stick with Bruce Wayne. They brought him back. But then to have Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther change that for Marvel to do that, to open the doors for others, is huge. Again, he did something that no one else has been able to do in comics. Yeah. Like, that's... And again, who's playing Captain America right now? Yes, he's still the Falcon, but we know he's really Captain America. Well, yeah, exactly, right? Like, he's taken up at least somewhat of the mantle to a certain degree. But good. Yeah. I think good. Like, that's... No, and, and I think... I can't remember if we talked about this before. Like, I can never remember what we talk about here on the show or what we talk about, like, before in our conversations or... or, you know, before the show or whatever. Um, but just in general, like, the more cultures, the more stories, the more backgrounds the more uh you know the more diversity of people you have coming in telling stories at the end of the day you're just gaining more richer and better told and deeper stories right like you're you're, that affect a huge array of people like we're not just telling stories for one type of person anymore we're expanding and we have all these stories that are going to impact significantly so many more people there is another there was a video I was watching on YouTube. I was just watching this guy react to um, Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like, they just had a trailer for that game come out not too long ago. And there's, like, a Puerto Rican flag, like, hanging somewhere. And this guy just, like, lost it. Like, he's like, there's a Puerto Rican flag on a AAA video game? Like, obviously, he's, like, you know, South American. But, like, that just shows you how much impact even just a little representation has. Like, for so many of these people... They never see themselves in video games. They never see other than like if they have to create themselves on like Mass Effect or something like where you have a character creator. Then you can make your brothers all you want. But there's just when the more representation comes, the more effect that we're going to have on people, the more lives we can change, the more stories we can tell and the richer our community, the richer uh, film industry becomes and not like financially, but just in terms of stories, well, hopefully right? Hopefully financially. But financially, too. It's always good to have some money kicking around, but... I mean, but 100%. Man, yeah, it's but I mean, it's just... It, it's only going to be good. That's all I'm saying. Well, it, again, getting away from forcing it and actually having it mean something and actually, like... Yeah. Not just being there because they're checking off boxes, but being there because they actually should be there. Exactly. It's, it's, and I think that's, again, what, what Black Panther did. Yeah. 100% agree. This went in a way different direction than I was expecting the question of the day to go. I was just like, let's talk about Thor for 10 seconds and moving on. But, you know, <laughs> here we are. But, yeah, no. Rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Um, just, he was a cultural icon and he will forever remain one. Like, that was his career. And it is so heartbreaking and saddening that we lost him so early at the end of the day. Ah, yeah, Wakanda forever, man. Wakanda forever. 
Well, that's it for this episode. I think we're going to wrap things up here. All right. Well, tune in next week for us to talk about Avengers. The first Avengers, not the first Avenger, but also it's a confusing series of movie titles. <laughs> let's be honest. True. We're talking about Marvel's Avengers 2012. How much we both enjoyed it. It was Matt's top pick, and we'll get more into that next week. I'm Ethan R. Hill, and with me, as always, is Matt Black. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye. So long. Toodaloo. And I got nothing to end after that, so we'll end on toodaloo. Ooh, there we go. <laughs>